Good morning, it's Snake River Lib, and when I say morning, <clears throat> pardon me, it's actually a real morning, uh, nearly uh, 10 o'clock central time. Um, I always forget whether it's daylight or regular time. I wish that we would just get away with the stupid time change, uh, you know, because we get that extra hour of daylight that people say we get. Uh, whatever. Um... First, a rare admission uh, on Lib. Now, by by saying that, I'm not going to say that I'm not frequently wrong because there are a lot of things that I am wrong a lot of times about. Um, but um, one of the one of the things that I don't usually am not usually wrong about is when it comes to assessing politics. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty good about that. I've, uh, my track record of it from from judging that President Trump or candidate Trump would win not only the Republican nomination but uh, would win the presidency in December of 2015 when the Republicans could not. Uh, even uh, could not stand up to um, President Obama um, with their majorities in both the House and the Senate on a spending bill after campaigning that that's exactly what they were going to do, that they refused to do that. Uh, I predicted then that uh, candidate Trump would not only win the nomination for the Republican Party, uh, but that he would win the, the White House. And I was right. Um, and while I supported at that time Rand Paul, uh, Senator Paul from uh, Kentucky, uh, until he dropped out, then I supported Ted Cruz until he dropped out. And then I supported Gary Johnson because I saw in in can, then candidate Trump uh, the fact that this was a someone who until before he started to run was a uh, was a Democrat. Uh, that he boasted of being a Democrat and said that if he were to ever run as uh, president, he would change his uh, party and run as a Republican because of the power structure in the Democratic Party. And, and that's exactly what he did, uh, that he was very apolitical. So I was correct about that, and I think that a lot of the things, and uh, most things uh, as far as what I've been judging, uh, politically, I think I've been fairly accurate about. Uh, so here's here's the admission. Um, I have been very much on the... There's not a lot of difference between the two parties. Uh, both parties are parties of big government, and I still stand by that statement. Um, however, and I would say also as far as... Uh, uh, um, what they espouse judges wise and such that there is a difference there but economically speaking um the democratic democratic party has really made outdone itself in in separating themselves from republicans in the states during this whole uh, uh coronavirus deal um, if you look at the outbreaks and you look at the numbers 
of of uh, outbreaks and and deaths and such, and from New York, which is, of course is, seems to be ground zero, um, to to other you know New Jersey, Pennsylvania, other states that are close to there. These are states that are all governed by Democrats. These are states that are still in lockdown, along with many other. Uh, democratic states where where the governors and and large city mayors are are cracking down to the point of of revoking licenses to do business and um, even threatening jail time. Uh, well, I would even point out that well, it's the Dallas mayor, but I would point out that that in Texas, where the hair salon owner was jailed. Um, you know, they can say what they want, but Greg Abbott, uh, the governor of Texas, is the one that signed the law or executive ordered everything closed. And he could have executive ordered everything opened, I guess. Well, okay, let me backtrack from that statement for a minute. States can, through revocation of licenses, control what businesses do. Now, personally, I think that's wrong. I, I take Milton Friedman's uh, Nobel Prize winning economist point of view regarding licensure, that that is one way that state control, that the state, meaning the government, controls the marketplace, whereby states requiring uh, you to have a license is a way that they regulate commerce and so so even if even if there were minimal regulations uh, the fact that the state authorizes you through a license to run a business means that the state can also shut you down via revocation of that license and and I would, you know, I would uh, again agree with uh, Dr. Friedman in that if the market were really free, then there would be practitioners of all sorts would be allowed. And this would even include the field of medicine. Now, don't freak out. But the thing is about medicine is that the medical field is far more controlled um, uh, than what you may believe. Um, the AMA, the American Medical Association, uh, the Doctors Professional Association, controls what medical schools are accredited. They control the number of hospitals that work with those medical schools. They control the number of seats that are allowed. You can't just go and, as a university and say, we'd like to start up a medical school. You have to get uh, accreditation, accreditation from uh, the AMA for that. So the supply of doctors is limited, not by government, but by the AMA. Um, and because of that, uh, this, and of course the state also requires you uh, to get a license to practice medicine in the state uh, after you complete that, but the AMA controls the point of entry. And so because of that, we have an issue in this country where 
where uh, when you consider supply and demand, um, there's a great demand for healthcare, and there's very limited supply. And that demand, of course, has been exacerbated by the coronavirus because many, many um, elective uh, procedures and consultations were shut down during this time. Uh, we'll never know the true death toll of that, uh, that heart screens and cancer screens were, were canceled. Um, the discomfort of those uh, uh, suffering from knee pain and needing knee replacements and other joint replacements, uh, other surgeries, all these things that were not emergency surgeries were essentially shut down in this country for well over a month. And we'll never know the death toll that will that results directly from that. You know, for those that aren't familiar with cancer, a month is a can be the difference literally between life and death to a cancer patient. A month of discovery can literally mean that kind of a difference. And so and Thousands of healthcare workers were laid off because they weren't allowed to do these extra things. And so we have this situation where because of the virus, you know, we've shut down the country. And and while now the country is opening up, and even in blue states uh, controlled by Democrats, whether they want to or not, they're, they're facing a stark reality that, that they that people, you know, will do, or as Dr. Ian Malcolm said in, in Jurassic Park, life goes on, or life will find a way. Um, people will go on. People will start to do what they need to do. Now, many people have used this opportunity, and, and uh, mostly on the left. And when I say the left, I don't mean the Democrats. I mean the far left. And say, see, here's the problem, is that, you, you have the choice of either staying home and being safer, going into work and dying. Um, look, you know, we can talk about uh, the ills of society and the problems with private employers if you want. But here's the bottom line. You know, We all have to make choices in our lives, and those choices involve a certain amount of risk. And I think that's pretty much what I want to really sum up the rest of what I want to talk about today. Because when you live in a free country, when you live in, in a place where you are guaranteed rights, because really, outside of the licensure, which I've already talked about, Nothing the government has done has been legal under the Constitution. None of it. Um, interstate commerce. Interstate commerce. Now, some people will say that there's that there's no right for you to travel. I'll look it up and put it in the in the. Uh, a, when I do, when I, it'll be in the written word when I, when I uh, publish this, but there's Supreme court case, um, where the justice in his opinion wrote that it was in regards to 
welfare. That one of those rights is a right to travel uh, through the country. That that's uh, that is a right under the Constitution. Now, it's not written anywhere, but because a Supreme Court justice in an opinion wrote it, it's considered, you know, the law of the land. I don't agree with that, but that's what it is. And so the rights to assemble, the rights to uh, uh, religion, uh, expression of religion, um, I could make a case against uh, these people who are saying that they have the right to to meet uh, simply just based on, uh, if you want to look up the case, it's Reynolds versus United States, uh, 1878, so regarding uh, the polygamy in the um, uh, Utah Territory. Um, the free exercise of religion uh, does not include an action. It only uh, includes, according to that opinion, and, and your belief it does not include actions. But um, I did a pretty long paper on that. I think I might put that in my uh, uh, Snake River Lib blog. But uh, with these inalienable rights that are enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and and those that are enumerated in the Constitution, of course, really, if you remember, the Constitution um, as as President Obama said when he was back, when he was a, a, um, a community agitator, um, the Constitution is made up of negative rights, meaning that it is limits the government. It's what the government can't do to you as opposed to positive rights, which is what the government can do for you. And this is what it really comes down to when we're discussing what the purpose of government is. Because on one hand, you have those who believe that government simply protects the rights of individuals to act as they will so long as they're not violating the rights of others. On the other hand, you have those who believe that government protects individuals. And you see this acting out very, very starkly in this coronavirus issue. Because on one hand, I mean, they're even talking about in Congress having to have laws or passing a, a legislation limiting the liability of places and places of business um, regarding the, the virus, if you catch it or not. And this is insane. This is really insane that we're even talking about this. Part of having your rights of movement, of, of assembly, to be able to do as you will, so long as you're not violating the rights of others, is accepting the responsibility of acting as you will. And that includes accepting the liability for your actions. If you walk into a store 
you assume a certain amount of risk. Now, I'm going to put a link in the blog I've, or in the in my podcast. Uh, well, I may not put a link because I don't know legal things about that. But Weird Al um, did a song. It's called I'll Sue You or I'll Sue Ya, um, where he talks about, you know, all these different lawsuits because we've come, we've become a very litigious society, you know, like I'll, I'll sue Taco Bell because I ate a million chalupas or something like that. And I got fat, you know, we don't accept liability for what our actions are anymore in this country because we assume that somebody else should pay for our mistakes. And so if you want to go look up that video, um, it's pretty funny. The reason I wouldn't, I'm not going to link to it. I thought I would link to it, but I'm not going to simply because I know uh, Weird Al is kind of a progressive person. I'm not sure how he'd feel about uh, me uh, uh, using his song in that manner, um, even though it fits perfectly, right? It exposes, you know, if you, you go through a drive through at McDonald's, you buy a cup of coffee. You expect that coffee to be hot, right? You expect that coffee to be hot. And so you get the cup of coffee and you spill it and it causes you pain. Now, that was an accident. And even if even if passing it from the drive-thru window into your car caused the cup to tip over and spill, it was an accident. Now, if the person in the drive-thru window threw it on you, that's a different story. But it was an accident. Otherwise, is that worth $2 million? Do you not assume, one, that a cup of coffee that you buy in the at McDonald's is going to be hot. I presume that you would assume that unless it's iced coffee. I mean, that's a real thing, by the way, that actually happened. You know, somebody who smoked their entire life and gets cancer in their seventies. And so they sue uh, one of the tobacco companies And the jury, wanting to stick it to the man, awards this man, like, I don't remember the award, was like one or two billion dollars. The thing is, is that this person was young enough that by the time he started smoking, there was a warning on on the package of cigarettes saying that they could cause cancer. At what point do we have to assume liability for ourselves? Those who argue that government is simply there to protect your rights would say, hey, that's your problem. That seems very callous, of course, and very cold. Those on the other hand, of course, would say, somebody's got to pay. 
That's not your fault. So, the question is, where are we going? And you can see it. it is this, the divide is very stark. Because on one hand, you have these states that are staying closed. States that were already in trouble fiscally, by the way. Um, and so their, their cries of um, fiscal insolvency um, are really kind of false. I mean, no, I mean, they are absolutely fiscally insolvent, Illinois and California in particular, uh, but many, many others. Their pension plans are, are going to kill them, and so they're wanting help for those. And so they're staying closed, but in exchange for staying closed, they want a handout. Now, people will say, well, you know, New York contributes more than Mississippi. Well, yeah, no doubt. There's a lot of more people in New York than Mississippi. And New York has a much higher per capita income uh, than the state of Mississippi does. And so, of course, they're going to contribute more in tax revenue to the federal government. But... If you're not doing anything to try to shore up your fiscal house, why should you be bailed out by the federal government, which has to draw taxes from all across the board, which has to borrow money from people, including China, or print money out of the air? I mean, they end up essentially they're technically borrowing from the Federal Reserve, which is printing money. So that, yes, that's technically what they're doing. Um, by the way, when the United States goes bankrupt, who's going to bail them out? No one. No one can. Uh, there's no one capable of doing that. How will your government protect you then? How will your government provide health care when we've reached that point where um, doctors refuse to take patients that are on government health care, which in many places, um, they, doctors are no longer accepting new Medicaid patients because they lose money on every Medicaid patient they see. And they're stuck with the ones they have, but they're not taking new ones. Medicare, in many places, is, is at best a break-even. What happens when, in their attempt to at least pretend at some sort of solvency in those programs, they cut uh, the payouts? And so then doctors are losing on Medicare. This is especially important as we're talking about uh, tra you know, uh, transitioning to some sort of a Medicare for all program, even though at this point, neither candidate, major candidate for presidency are talking about that. Um, but our seniors, you know, my mom just had a, a, a pacemaker put in that 
I'm not going to tell you the cost, but let's just say that that she never paid anywhere close to what that cost in in Medicare payments over her lifetime or my dad's lifetime or my lifetime. And who's going to pay for that? What happens when the government can't provide Social Security, which could be as close as eight years from now and as far away as 17? It won't be that far, by the way, the way things are going. It's going to be a lot closer than 17, probably closer to the eight. Who's going to pay for it then? When Social Security started, there were 17 workers for every person on Social Security. Today, there's like two and a half. What's going to happen when all the boomers are retired and drawing Social Security? And then Gen X starts retiring. That's going to get ugly. And there's no plan. Everyone's head is buried in the sand regarding Social Security and Medicare. What's going to happen when there's no money to hand out? Or when money becomes so worthless that they can hand out millions to each person and they're still going to starve like what happened in Venezuela? Isn't that dire? But at least I was wrong, right? Here I thought the Democrats and Republicans were the same, and yet what we're seeing, at least on the state level, is that there couldn't be a more stark difference between the two. Democrats keep their states closed, threaten arrest, Threaten, well, they've pulled licenses, right, of hair, hair salons and, and restaurants. Red states are opening up all over the country. Will we see an increase in uh, cases? Yes. But the whole point was to flatten the curve, not to find a cure. The curve's been flattened. More people have the coronavirus and developed antibodies for it than we'll ever know because we're not going to test everybody. The more people that get tested, the more positives we're going to have. The key number is subtract the total number tested from the total or the total number that tested positive from the total number of people that have died or subtract the number of people that have died and subtract 25% of that by the way from the total number of people tested or rather multiple you know find the percentage you'll find that the percentage is right there with the flu is it a serious disease absolutely but ultimately who is going to provide take care of you can the government take care of you? 
No. Not only that, Castle Rock versus Gonzalez, Supreme Court ruled that the government doesn't even have an obligation to take care of you. When you're facing the point of a gun, or it's your choice whether to go out and earn a living or starve, you have to make that choice. It's your life. The government can't live it for you. They can't even protect you in a moment of need. It's a Snake River Lib. You know, 